That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Incomparable, number 625. July 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is an episode where we we normally do a sort of a wrap-up of a season of, uh, like, a TV show that we like and watch. And the problem is that they make so much Star Trek now that we decided to do one episode about three, three new seasons of Star Trek. We're going to talk in this episode about Season four of Star Trek Discovery, season two of Star Trek Picard, and season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, all on Paramount Plus or various other channels and other places on the internet and other planets and galaxies and and markets and I don't know, like you 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 see you saw it right. Uh, joining me to talk about Star Trek are these wonderful people. I, I guess they're Star Trek fans. Uh, Joe Rosenstiel is here. Hi, Joe. Hi. Command code two four six eight ten. Oh, you're still on that one. <laughs> Starfleet's bad IT security continues apace. Gene McDonald is also here. Hello. Hello. Very happy to be here. I feel that we have had to wait for all these three three seasons to be over to even have time to do a podcast. I know it's been a long. It's a long. Long, long, long time. Thirty weeks of episodes, or twenty eight weeks, or something of episodes. It's a lot. A lot of Star Trek. A lot of new Star Trek. David J. Lohr is here. Hi, David. Hi. Um, now, I should address this. Uh, since you thought I was killed off in the penultimate episode of the Vulcan Hello. It's true. Uh, uh, because for Scott to live, I David had Lohr to die. must die. I had, I had to step out into the icy cold wastes and step off the podcast. But mm-hmm. but that was that was really my evil twin, Lore. Lore, 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 d lore. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think canonically you are dead in the Vulcan Hello, but this is not canonical over here. We're like the uh, we're like the ready room over here, something like that. Just tell us, tell us how you're you're feeling about being killed off on the Vulcan Hello. On the Vulcan Hello, my middle initial is R. Mm, weird. And a uh, renowned Star Wars fan, Tony Sindelar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jason, uh, you and I are of a kind in a different reality. I could have called you Fred. Uh, <laughs> today is not that day and this is not that reality. I, I will just mention uh, that in my regular Star Wars podcast, A Complicated Profession with Dan, I mentioned <laughs> the episode of Strange New World. We watch that every week, pretty much every week on that Star Wars podcast uh, because I can contain multitudes or when, when i say i, I contain multitudes i say i contain two things i contain 
Star Wars and Star Trek. Star Wars <laughs> that is and Star Trek. Trek. The ratio right. is not always even, but I got both of them in there. Right. And I, I, in addition to, of course, a complicated profession, the Star Wars podcast, Gene hosts Voyager Revisited, a Star Trek Voyager podcast here at The Incomparable. And I co-host with Scott McNulty, The Vulcan Hello, where we do week by week uh, discussions of- For 30 weeks in a row now. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery Season 4, we will start with- uh, we return to the far, far future of Star Trek Discovery uh, to discover what is going on with uh, Michael Burnham, who is now the captain of the USS Discovery, and her crew. This turns into a season-long story arc about a mysterious uh, force that ends up being known by a boring acronym, the DMA, the Dark Matter Anomaly, that is destroying planets. It destroys... Her partner's homeland. That's right. Booker, Cle- Cleveland Booker, book to his friends and crime partners, I guess. Uh, his home planet of Quajon, seen only, <laughs> seen only in an, <laughs> in an empty forest in a living room, is destroyed. <laughs> but it's very sad. I mean, we never see Alderaan in Star Wars, right? Like, true. It, it, That's true. Know. Um, so then again, Princess Leia has it together much more than Book does in this season. <laughs> she kind of just gets with the program and Book is very upset. Anyway, there's a mad scientist who tries to figure out uh, what's going on with the dark matter anomaly. And uh, there's a... Um, there, so they run off book and the mad scientist and they're gonna they're gonna blow it up and kill try to kill a lot of people in order to save the galaxy whereas the federation crew wants to to meet uh whoever's responsible and you know have a very stern conversation with them about what they've done and 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 see if they can solve things <laughs> and it, it, it all kind of climaxes in a trip outside the galactic barrier to a mysterious kind of like society of big space whale people who have uh, who've been doing this and are very apologetic about it and don't didn't really understand that they were destroying uh, planets with nice plasma TVs in them, um, <laughs> and so uh, and then everything obviously everything works out and we think Book is dead but he's not, um, and that that is my very very short impromptu summary of Star Trek four, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery season four. Um, I'm going to come out and say it. I think this was the least successful season of of live action Star Trek to date. <laughs> um, oh wow! And I feel like <laughs> ever I feel, I, of live action. Oh, sorry of the of the new streaming okay. live action Star yeah. Trek okay. to date. Oh, you had okay. me scared Ooh. there. Yeah, <laughs> right of the modern of the modern. And I have to say, to date, I'm sorry, I got confused there because I, I think New Picard is open to discussion. But season four of Star Trek Discovery. I mean that that for for me. I felt like they are really struggling. Obviously, this is the last time I think any of these uh, Paramount Plus shows is going to get more than 10 episodes. I think they struggle trying to fill their story through all those episodes, and it has huge sags in the middle. I think there were a lot of very weird character leaps that had to happen in order to get the plot to move forward. I think it's a shame because I actually like a lot of the characters. Um, I think Saru is still one of the great uh, characters. Although, I'll also mention, they, they write Saru out for a while, and they write Tilly out, who is also basically my other favorite character on the show. And I, 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 I'm left wondering what are, what creative decisions are they making and why? Um, and, and so, yeah, I just, I, I felt like this was a mess and it's too bad because I like the idea of them having a canon free, 
you know, future to play around in. And instead, what we got is something that uh, was an, a, a plot that was probably not enough to fill 13 episodes and some weird character choices, especially with book, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. what did everybody else think of uh, Discovery Season 4? Not to, not to start us down, um, but I'm down on it. I'm just uh, revealing I'm down and, on it. You know, you know uh, and I believe Star Trek uh, Discovery, uh, it's... I, aired before the other ones that we are yep. will be talking about uh so uh it looks i think worse in comparison when we see some of the highs that it uh gets nowhere <laughs> near uh i think thinking back to my experience of watching it without having seen other star trek that i would be much more excited about later i always remember enjoying it i enjoy uh the character moments uh a great deal on star trek yes. discovery i just i love so many of those characters and it's like you just want more of all of them uh and you know they, they even did better things with kind of flushing out some of the bridge characters who in previous seasons felt like they were, you know, basically super, super <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, props seat, or something. Seat fillers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoy that, but I, I think I was the, the expectation that we are now going to set a Star Trek in a time that no Star Trek has ever been at. And in fact is way beyond any Star Trek, uh, perhaps set my expectations in a really lofty way that then, they didn't get anywhere near in terms of, you know, the Federation is in, in uh, disarray and things are bad in the universe and we've got to save the universe. I know you just saved the universe last episode or last season, but like <laughs> back, back on that horse. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I keep showing up for the character moments, which I love. Um, and Michael Burnham is uh, a really enjoyable Star Trek character to me. Um, so I, I love the... Uh, crew and i love the cast that that uh, portrays that crew but the episodes uh the plots uh, are not star trek at its greatest in terms of uh telling compelling science fiction stories week to week in in tony's opinion one thing that scott and i talked about every week as we walked through it is the feeling that star trek discovery is actually very good at characters and emotions and 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 actually very bad at plot and that's the the sort of like went to get through some of the episodes you have to be like i see what they were doing here because the characters took an interesting personal journey in this plot that kind of didn't make sense no i think that uh, i mean they had great these great characters um some you know since the beginning and some like book who um are new and and also um Oh, their young one that they picked up, um, and I can't Adira. Yes, right. like I like Adira, and uh, and I like Gray. Like I like a lot they were doing. But uh, what they did with with Book and Michael Burnham in this season was just so headache inducing every week to be like they they really set them up as they're going to have a completely unreconcilable difference between them. But, you know, she's going to keep uh, pretending like she can be the objective star fleet captain. Um, it didn't make it, it really didn't make any sense. And I just wish that they had left book out of this mess um, because I think they kind of ruined him and uh, they didn't need, I don't think he, his um his loss and then his determination to destroy the dma was brought anything to this story um it seemed like we could have gotten a better story where book in his grief is hoodwinked by 
an evil mad scientist who maybe isn't so evil. He's just very misunderstood about things because of his own trauma. Every villain has yeah. a thing about how something bad happened to them, and now they're going to hurt everybody else. Uh, but we didn't get that. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. on the screen. Yeah, I mean mm. that's that's kind of how I felt. There there were so many good elements in the in the season. Uh, mm-hmm. There were good moments, and occasionally just a, a solid episode. But yeah, they they just can't plot thirteen to fourteen episodes, um, because they're trying to tie it all into a single story, and they just don't have enough story sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, did I like some of the side quests? Sure. Did I like them better than the actual storyline we were following? Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it's it's just so frustrating and and it's frustrating what they did the book it's frustrating he's a streetwise uh uh traveler who's a smuggler (laughs) and he gets completely hoodwinked by this falls falls for the first mad scientist across his path yeah Yeah, well i mean (laughs) you you have to give him some slack he was mourning that living room Mm -hmm. it was a cool (laughs) 70s living room it was awesome it had like a a forest had a bunch of trees and and there were a bunch of kids just off camera bunch bunch of space squirrels we'll never know yeah so. No, <laughs> <laughs> and and the 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 bugs in the sky mm-hmm. and oh, I mean, just so much. But I, and and I and I will say, species ten C, which I wish we had a different name for them because it sounds like a product from the makers of High C and V eight. But <laughs> okay, K. species ten C. Yeah. The visualization of that and and the learning to communicate with them was beautiful yeah. i loved that very star trekky and very fun wish there had been a story that supported it one of the things i, I did to go off what you're saying david is it's not just the story for the season but also those macro story the micro stories of each episode that are supposed to be tying into those because they can only go so far before the next point that they're supposed to hand off to the next episode they struggle and they don't deliver on those things of like the first contact experience that all has to be shoved to the very end of the season. And we're left with an enormous void for most of the season in terms of what is 10 C? Why are they taking so long to investigate it? They dither around talking about how there's a galaxy threatening anomaly that's you know just sitting there and they go to a gambling yacht and they do some other stuff like there, <laughs> yeah, there's just fun. Well, a lack so of, much repetition yeah and a, of, a lack of yeah. urgency too um yeah and you feel it really in the episodes themselves because you're left wondering about the season plot because the episode itself doesn't have enough energy to get through its own plot uh from a to b and it, it's just really frustrating to sit through some of those ones uh, I was I was just going to ask if this is uh, hanging out over other people's experiences of watching Discovery, which is the uh, what, there's a short trek episode, which maybe not everyone has seen all short treks, but there's a short trek where a strange space traveler ends up on the Discovery and is talking to the computer, and the Discovery has been abandoned for apparently a long amount of time, and but is still kind of trekking along with a computer, but with no crew, and I I because that has been introduced for so far back, but not. Res- 
resolved that keeps hanging in my head uh, with every episode. <laughs> every time they put the discovery in peril, it's it's this thing where it's like, well, I know that discovery will be okay, but maybe something bad happens to the crew and they all have to evacuate. And I don't know if other people are able to put that out of their mind as they enjoy uh, Star Trek Discovery. But I just I have that one you know short track, which is like there's 15 minutes of it. But I think about it with every like st- Discovery episode. Will this be relevant? And the answer so far keeps being nope. Um, I think I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weirder than that because they are they have built up Zora now as their mm-hmm. artificially yeah. intelligent computer at, who is seen in that short trek. But in the mm-hmm. short trek, it is Discovery as classic Discovery, right from season one and season two. Mm-hmm. Well, they've given it a new designation and it's got the new flo- floaty warp yep. cells and things like that. So it kind of doesn't make sense. And so I'm not entirely sure that that isn't hasn't been sort of like decanonized as a <laughs> Uh, an imaginary story that they used as basically raw material to build the season three plot of, of, because, okay. because he mentions the guy in that mentions the Vidrash. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, it, it's, it, which gets mentioned again, it's the Federation. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I'm not, they would now have to bend over backward to get it to fit, which seems very weird to me. Ah, but now I remember talking about this in Slack when, the season was going on and, and I suggested an idea that works and, and you liked it because I remember you going, Oh, that's really nice. The thought that Calypso is now a dream that Zora has. She's processing things differently like our subconscious does. And so, so that could make it work. Right. I mean, a Calypso dream. it's is not a an imaginary years. story. It's a, it's an AI it's a dream. dream. Yeah, How's which that work, is kind Tony? of a wild idea. <laughs> I, I guess I should embrace that just so I don't think about that with every <laughs> yeah. Discovery episode. Is like, is yeah. this coming? Do, are they going to have to evacuate the ship at the end of this episode? Because um. you've got Proto Book, you've got <laughs> Zora, yeah. you've got it a thousand years in the future. No, it, it's yeah. it's so clearly just sort of set up on that yeah. on that front. I I wanted to mention we talked about uh, you know characters a little bit. Like, um, I think I think Burnham is a character we've been following and she finally gets to be the captain. I think that's I think that's good. I think having her have the struggle between her duty and her personal issues with book is is good. I didn't like the president of the federation standing on the bridge counter, you know, raising her eyebrow every yeah. time she gives a command. I thought that was a little bit silly, but I like her kind of progression and and you know, good actress, good character. That's all good. Um, and I wanted to mention the the space dads too, because the, we have um, Culber and Stamets as the space dads for Gray and Adira, and I thought that was all really sweet uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And and again, the show does a good job with characters and feelings, and and those are not my complaints. Um, although I am curious. Again, I mentioned Tilly getting written out. I mentioned Saru being sidelined and then brought back, which seems like a weird thing to send him away at the end of the previous episode and then immediately recall him. But that's what they do. Um, and then Gray, the show seems to very quickly try to get rid of Gray and send him off to Trill and be done with him. So I don't know whether there were like contract issues or availability issues or if it was COVID related. But like there were some very strange decisions that the show has made. Honestly, bringing um, bringing Michelle Yeoh into the future at the end of season two, and then spending six episodes getting her out in the middle of season three, <laughs> it's like, well, why did you bring her? Uh, and I, that's that's one of the things that the show also kind of baffles me about is the characters that get shunted off um, 
when we might want them to stay. I don't. I didn't really like Gray. I was kind of happy for Gray to ha- have his storyline kind of continue off screen and let Adira focus on integrating with the crew. I thought that was maybe a better storyline for them. But, um, but you know, anyway, I, I'm I'm just saying again, like I get I'm baffled by some of the character moves, but I do think that there's an emotional resonance to the show that's really successful. It's just that. Um, Wow, they whenever they conceived of this story, I think that they thought they could fit it in thirteen, and it was really more like an eight. <laughs> I, I would, I would have given it a four. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean it's not, not that much. Well, the, what I would say is that that there is the well, maybe so. the The species ten C thing could have also been more, right? They could have yeah. done spent more time there, but they wanted it to all be on a ticking clock of like, we've got to do this in just a few minutes or the earth will be destroyed. And of course mm. it's the earth. The earth will be and, destroyed. Uh, that was awful. Yeah. That and, part was awful. And it, I, yeah. I think that one of the things that um, really made that incredibly eye rolling, in addition to it being earth, is that... Uh, we were sort of promised, I think, some of the we're going to like bring the Federation back together. We're going to unite people. But right. we don't spend any of the season doing it. We just get Earth coming back to the Federation at the very, very end of the season. Right. And it doesn't feel earned by any of the actions that we have had our characters go through. No, before um, that, we just we, we have the one grumpy uh, person, the general from Titan or whatever. And there is that very perplexing scene, which, again, I think I understand it from a covid perspective, where it turns out that the big Federation meeting is a bunch of people standing o- over like the handrails mm. in a big atrium at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. what is that? My, my notes. My notes were actually <laughs> space mall. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you know, obviously a worldwide pandemic is is hard. <laughs> I'm just let me let me be the first to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, like like that. What was really cool the way this season started off that I think it was the first um, scene was Book and um, Michael trying to make contact with the, oh, the butterfly, butterfly people. moth mm-hmm. people yeah. who were awesome, and that was like exciting. Especially you know the reveal that they wanted to liberate uh, Grudge. Um, mm-hmm. because we were obviously oppressing, uh, the, uh, the creatures, um, on our ship. And, and that is what I th- was hoping the season would be like, is like, oh, you know, it's kind of the ups and downs of multiple first contacts. And instead, um, they quickly, you know, first of all, I hated that president. She just, not just because she was dumb on the bridge um, of discovery, but just generally there was just, there wasn't a very inspiring quality, I thought, to character. So She's the police chief that gets in your main character's yeah, way, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> it means yeah. she gets results, you stupid chief, right? It is that is what that yeah. character is. You don't, you don't understand. It's it's nine hundred years later. It's a we're imagining a whole new world where we've invented this new science fiction concept we call micromanaging. You're gonna love it. Um, <laughs> it's just yeah, wild, I mean, wild it's nano, fantasy it's stuff. It's nano managing yeah. in the future, nano Tony. Mm. <laughs> she was. I mean, she was. Uh, what was she? Human, Cardassian, yeah. and Bajoran. something else, and, and Bajoran. Uh, Bajoran. Yeah. So that could have been more interesting, yeah. but they really just uh-huh. left totally. her as like an annoying human, and 
anyway, but the fact that they would have like these like, okay, Federation, we're going to vote and they're voting stupid too. <laughs> like they're voting with, <laughs> with some kind of like iPhones, uh, uh, yeah. virtual at iPhone voting mm-hmm. at the mall. But yeah, so I mean, we'd been led through the whole third season to care about the Federation coming you know, a thing again. And that was very moving at the end of season three. And yet then, then it's like, oh, and they're going to, as you say, meet at the mall and just have an annoying lady, like tell them what to do. So that, that just, you know, that just did not work for me, the, the political side of this. And I would have much rather seen them just doing, you know, Doing missions. First doing, contact doing of the week. Star Trek yeah. missions. And well, and I know that they want this show to be different from Strange New Worlds and not be a not be standalones, but I, I feel mm-hmm. like the the rhythm of the Star Trek episode where you go to a planet could be integrated better with an overall plot like this. I think one of the problems that happens is immediately after the aftermath of season one, the discovery is pulled off of their missions. Um they are mm-hmm. brought back because only Stamets, I guess, is a scientist. Uh, Stamets and Tarka, the mad scientist, are the only scientists that they have in the Federation. Like it's this thing where where we yeah. get at several <laughs> points. It's like only Stamets can solve this problem, which is very weird. And I thought, look, Discovery is. I know they're interesting people from the past and all, but like it is just another ship. Other than when you need a spore drive, it's just another ship. You could have them out there having more missions, yeah. stumbling upon clues, and like. And, and and maybe being the ones who, unlike, unlikely as it is, stumble upon a key piece of information that allows the greater federation to solve the problem. But instead, they're immediately centered as the the, mm-hmm. the, the, the task force for all of this. And yeah, they're, Jason, they're, yeah. this, this show was created in uh, late 2021. At that time, legally... Uh, you were required to save the galaxy. You had to have a yeah. giant ten episode arc, uh, and, or, or, or 13. thirteen even. It, you know, <laughs> and we we just didn't know that anything else was possible. And in, in, uh, in modern yeah. Star Trek, you're right. In, in, At the and time, twenty twenty one, that was that was the extent of what our technology was capable of. Uh, and our our feeble <laughs> minds and our primitive civilizations that weren't so great. I, I know. <laughs> I know I've I've railed against this on Vulcan Hello a lot, but I'll I'll just mention it here. I I feel like the 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 creative failure of Star Trek Discovery really is a fit is a writer's room problem, and I don't think it's necessarily the people in the writer's room. It may be that to a certain degree, but I feel like it's the misuse of the writer's room because this feels very much like a show where they they broke down the season episode by episode, and then they put the stakes in the ground, and then every Everybody in the writers' room was gone. It was you know sent off to write their episodes, and it feels like that. Where it's sort of like this is the chunk of content for this episode, and like some episodes are not that interesting. But that was the story they had to tell, so they're boring and padded. There are other episodes where there's like a really interesting thing that happens, except it's rushed because they've got to hit their plot point to get to the end. It do- it feels very engineered. Um, nobody really gets a chance to go kind of off the beaten path at all, and. They are moving furniture around, especially late in the season, in order to get to the ending that they want. And the funny thing about that, the ironic thing about that, and then I'll stop complaining about this, I swear, for at least five minutes, <laughs> is is that in season three, they, they engineered an ending that I thought was good. And so I kept holding out hope that, that season four... 
I was going to roll my eyes at a bunch of episodes where they were clearly just setting up the ending they wanted to tell. But if the ending was worth it, it would be okay. And the problem is that the ending really wasn't worth it. And so it ended up being like, we did, we did all this for what? And that's not great. But that's where I ended up. There were just no memorable episodes. I mean, even the one that you can say, oh, they went to a casino yacht. I just didn't care. <laughs> I, I should, you know. I, I, kinda, I thought I the casino love, yacht was fun, but it was not it as was, fun as it should have been. Yeah, it wasn't as fun I as think it should have been. Tilly taking the cadets um, on That planet, was good. Yeah, that I was like a that. good episode. And then, unfortunately, it was like, this is how we're going to get rid of Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know if that was an actor thing, you know, where she just decided yeah. she didn't want to be on anymore. I with Saru, I figure it's because they were still trying to tie up loose ends from season three, and mm-hmm. you know, having him go off with Sokal makes sense. But then it's like, oh well, we have to have our character back on our show. Yeah, so we just bring him right back. I, episode three, I I, thought, I really like the concept of that's the one where there's like the the moon or whatever that's actually a generation ship with a bunch of aliens in cryo sleep, yeah. and 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 again, it's one of those things where I love the Star Trekky nature of that episode, but because they've got their plot points to hit, it really mm-hmm. just gets resolved with a wave. I think it's maybe literally a wave of hand <laughs> <laughs> over a console that's solves the whole thing and it's like oh but you could have you could have spent more time with that but they're like nope we got to move on we got an outline where we're following here and i just i felt the outline there's there's a line from strange new worlds not to jump ahead Hmm. but there is a line from strange new worlds that i thought of uh this episode of discovery when when uhura says that's not how linguistics works. Yeah. <laughs> because that's exactly how they solve it. Yeah. It's like, oh, suddenly not, I understand it. That's not how computer programming works. No, you works. don't. <laughs> well, any final words about Discovery season four? I mean, it's a show that I want to like and I like a lot of the characters of, and I just wish they'd tell better stories. I I want more Tignataro. Just give me more Tignataro. There were, there were some travel issues so with Tignataro, um, unfortunately. But I yes, I agree. Tignataro's great. Um, but yeah, I just, I want more individual episodes that maybe tie into a larger arc. I'll yeah, take more David Cronenberg too, arc. by the way. I'm, more if, David if, Cronenberg. If we're going to yeah. have to download exposition, have it be done by David Cronenberg. Because <laughs> he does it better than most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I just, you know, I had such high hopes for this, this series when, you know, we all did. It was so exciting because it was the first new Trek. But um, I feel like they have uh, frittered away a mm. lot of our excitement and I assume they're doing a season five. Yes. I, they're I, shooting it now or just finished shooting it. Yeah. yeah. So my, my excitement level is very low thanks to this season, but I will of course watch it when it comes out. Yeah. I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt at all. Uh, when they <laughs> had their, their trailer prior to season four come out and it was like, Oh, Oh, there's this anomaly. And I was like, no, you can't make the whole season out of that. And then they do. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like, well, and it wasn't like the anomaly led to a thing, which led to a thing. It really didn't. It just, the anomaly was the thing until they got to the origins <laughs> of the anomaly. And that was the whole thing. 13 episodes. Yeah. 13 of episodes of the that. anomaly. Well, that's never, they're not getting 13 again. So there's that mm. at least. DMA is DMA. not as exciting a term as V'ger. DMA and, te- and species 10C really uninspired too. Yeah. yeah. Good thing we didn't have any time to explore anything about why we could name them other things or what they could do mm-hmm. or the function the of how they could work. Of, 
yep. why the, the universe needs a federation. What is the relationship between Starfleet and the federation? What is it like for yeah. people to be 900 years out of their own time? Well, so many things we could have done, and instead we did not. Oh, well. <laughs> I, I, I still am frustrated by the fact that you've got these people who are completely out of time, have yep. lost everybody. And other than a little bit with Tilly, where she's trying to kind of like deal with the cadets and she feels like a person out of time but like we didn't really see people come onto the ship who are who are like oh you guys are from the past um like they just don't want to talk about it because i think they just want to pretend that it's not the case but it is you may you you chose this path but you don't want to engage with the choices you made Mm mm-hmm it, I'm reminded of Voyager uh, melds the Federation and Maquis crews uh, pretty well, but there's lots of episodes about like here's where it didn't go great, uh, and yeah, <laughs> it, it's that. Whereas here it's just like nope, everyone's fine. You know, 900 years they not lost a big everybody deal. that they ever knew or loved, but it's okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> You know, there should be people who, let alone technology or society, like, you you have to imagine that, like, the Federation is going to be a little different in what they care about or what they value or how they feel about different species now. Like, you know, don't just show us, here's a Ferengi admiral. Like, let's talk about what does it mean for the Ferengi (laughs) to be in the Federation and and, and in Starfleet and and what that means. And and one of the few things that they they set up in season three that was kind of interesting was the thought that the Romulans and the Vulcans had finally come back together and were standing outside the Federation. And how long did it take for them to be like, oh, well, it's all good. We're back in the Federation. We're fine. They're Uh, just, you know, they look like us. Saru um, bats his eyes at the Mm. head of Navarre and she's like, all right, let's, we're coming back. (laughs) We're back in. Yeah, you know what? Saru is a very important person to have on your crew. <laughs> very versatile. Yeah, he is. Oh, he's very calming. calming. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Let's move on to Picard Season 2. Mm. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in Picard Season 2, uh, Admiral Picard is called into an incursion by a Borg ship, uh, but his ship blows up and Q appears and has thrown him in an alternate timeline that is authoritarian and uh, and apocalyptic and told that he must go back to the 21st century to Los Angeles where they shoot the TV show Star Trek Picard in order to change <laughs> the future by solving a problem in the past. And... Uh, and then and so they go back in time and they and they 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 do it and then they come back forward at the end to see if they've changed things at all and Picard and and Q have some conversations and Whoopi Goldberg is in it as Guinan and then there's another actor who plays young Guinan and um so that's that's Star Trek Picard season two 
a season that I thought started incredibly well and really looked like it was going to be a weird melding of like Star Trek First Contact and Star Trek Four, which is like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> then it kind of went off the rails, the plot wise. <laughs> You know, they only had 10 episodes to go off the rails with Jason, so that can conf- that can yeah, They got to the, it. They uh, snapped to it. If, if they'd had 13, imagine how many more rails they could have gone off. <laughs> Just slower going off the rails. Uh, yeah. it, it, with, uh-huh. with Discovery Season 4, I'm disappointed with Star Trek Picard Season 2. I'm mad. Because um, it is a, a situation where I am incredibly frustrated that you would take this beloved character and then you would take some of these other beloved characters and you'd get this season started with the bang and then you would just not know where you were going um and then just meander through all kinds of stuff you'd say oh this didn't happen because this timeline event never occurred but then at the end of the season you're just like whoop timeline who cares and so it's just like i don't understand what it is you wanted me to take away from watching this series of uh, you know apart from we we were able to go back in time and have people do some stuff and then go forwards in time uh and there are announcements beyond this season about what's supposed to be happening next season in terms of cast and other things, which also make me very furious because of the way that they wrapped up with some of these people who will not be joining us again. You just worry yeah. that they've spent all their time. I know they're different people, but like all the energy has gone into like lining up the schedules of returning Patrick Stewart and John Delancey and 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 then you know triple that for the next season but it's like you know it's like Patrick Stewart he is a delight this is like an important natural resource that we need to conserve and value here and this is what you did with it uh, like I mean I enjoy seeing him I liked my hour with Patrick Stewart that I got every time we had this episode but it was like but this this is this is what we pulled him out of, you know, whatever Patrick Stewart's up to. Otherwise, I, I imagine, you know, just making people dogs. happy and yeah, adopting yeah. dogs and burning money or something and just just <laughs> having the time of his life. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he has to work. It just seems like couldn't we have done something? Uh, couldn't could we couldn't we have done this right? <laughs> you know, Joe took my answer. I was sitting here thinking, you know how you say I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. I'm actually angry about season two of Picard <laughs> and because I mean well so so everyone said oh the first episode start off with a bang ah uh, you know I'm I'm one of the few people who watched the first episode and went I'd like to see where you go with that before I say it was good and uh it I mean it just doesn't none of it holds together uh, none of it makes sense. There are so many weird little details. It's like, hey, look, we we remembered to mention Jackson Roykirk. Remember him? And then when we see a close up of a Romulan with bloodshot eyes, they're red, not green. I mean, it's like <laughs> if you're gonna be that picky, wow. you know, that nerd. little nerd Easter egg. Nerd <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna put all <laughs> this Easter eggs in, <laughs> D- David, the bloodshot eyes right. are the least of the problems of Star Trek. Oh yeah. no, season I, two. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I'm just saying. Problems, my bloodshot eyes. The, you know, but <laughs> look, I mean, I, the, I think that the pieces, I think the the pieces in place are, are are here to do something well. But like, if we back up, what do you want to see from a season of Star Trek Picard? Well, Tony already got to it. You want to see Patrick Stewart doing Patrick Stewart things, and then you say, okay, here's my pitch for you. Q is going to come back and he's dying maybe. And this is like Q's last final (laughs) encounter with Picard. It's like, okay, all right. Well, what I want to see then is Q and Picard scenes. 
And they're like, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> yeah, like every episode, please, most, right? <laughs> mostly they're not going to be in scenes together. And when we use Q in the past, he's going to be kind of inexplicably just like a, you know, chin stroking beard, bearded, uh, you know, villain. Like, Maha, now I'm doing a thing. It's like, I don't think Q should have been in the past at all. I don't think it made sense for him to be there other than to remind you that Q is in it. Um, it was a mess. And then I'll throw out there, what's the other thing this this season is about? Well, it's about the Borg and weird things going on with the Borg. And they and, and in a, I think, super inspired episode two, they kidnap a Borg queen mm-hmm. a, and use her as a time machine. Like, I think it's so fun and weird and clever. And, um, and the actress who plays the Borg queen who was on... On 24, um, oh, what's her name? Annie Wershing. Annie Wershing. She does a really great job as a Borg queen. And yeah. then the, her her little interactions with Agnes, um, mm, yeah. where, where they, they, they enter each other's kind of minds. And then she sort of like has a, like Battlestar Galactica-like, she has kind of a head Borg queen who's trying to take or, or over. Or Scorpius on Farscape. Or Scorpius on Farscape, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, okay, to go back to my premise, what else do you have to work with here? And the answer is a Borg queen. And again, they kind of fumble it. And they're like, how about we get Brent Spiner to play Elon Musk? (laughs) Well, he's Elon Musk and he's, but he's desperate for funding. And then all of a sudden he's rich enough to buy his way. Broke and uh, extravagantly wealthy as needed. Uh, He buys his way onto the NASA board and has access to everything. So why was he begging for money? I, this is also a 10 episode story that I think has two episodes of filler in it, which is kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Right, well, least. again, I'd say it's got like six episodes of filler. At least one and a half, which I feel like is well, unacceptable for 10 episodes. Agnes, as the Borg Queen, or the Borg Queen, as Agnes, has a breakout and she goes yeah. walking through the streets Remember, of LA. There's and it's, one episode where she's like down the block from them. It's a like great it's a great cliffhanger. It's like the Borg is loose on 21st century LA. Yeah. She's she in is the going alley to be, behind the bar. Yeah, she is going to be assimilating people and building a Borg army, and we're going to have to find out a, a way to deal with this. And the answer is she spends an episode in the alley and, do, and goes into a bar full of people and doesn't assimilate anybody just breaks uh-huh. a window and leaves and Allison Pill yeah. is lovely you know in this uh, she's great yeah uh, the, the character is fun it's just is not on a trajectory that no, is it's, very it, interesting it's, mis, it's misused and the, the pacing is weird and I do wonder I, I mentioned about the Discovery casting I wonder about the casting choices here it feels very much like somebody <laughs> somebody who's in charge of these shows is forced to make casting decisions before they have their stories and so I mean, t- tell me if I'm wrong Issa Briones shouldn't have been in this season at all nope. but apparently she right. was under contract so they they invented this um, Sung daughter character for her to play and wrote her other character out which is weird but they chose to do that like there's a bunch of things like that of like well why did you even put this character or this Elnor. actor in it or Elnor, oh, who is a, Elnor. a ghost for a while. <laughs> I, I didn't mind Issa Briones having this, the shift, and it made sense. You know, okay, you've got Brent Spiner as, you know, a human. Fine. And yes, everybody in the Sung family, all the men look They're like the, the same. same guy. All the women look like the same woman. Okay, whatever. Um, I didn't mind that so much. And I liked that, you know, at least in the beginning of that part of the storyline they weren't just doing frankenstein (laughs) they were doing rappuccini's daughter by nathaniel hawthorne sure and then they didn't they were done and it was like oh again another great idea that went nowhere but yeah elnor what was the point of elnor to to fridge him for rafi i think is the yeah and then they didn't really do anything with that that felt yeah it didn't really 
that, ah, so much didn't work for me. But uh, I think uh, Sung and and his his many daughters that could have been left out one hundred percent out of this. There yeah. was too much in the ten episodes for a thing that dragged. It's interesting that it dragged with still too many things were going on. Um, and uh, that yeah, the, that's the weird part. It's like the emphasis is all wrong. Like you've yeah. got these really good things and you just don't use them. And instead yeah. we get instead we get like there's a car chase and there's a bus breakout and I have to say <laughs> yeah. it did they have budget problems because the whole move to go to 21st century uh, L.A. is super lazy, as a science fiction show yeah. said in 21st century L.A. But if you're going to do it, go all the way with your Star Trek four. But they like really lean into being an episode of Chips a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's God. true. Oh, it's true. Oh, I mean, there's the stolen, stolen yeah. police car and yeah, the bus heist. Yeah. And, and we have characters. Characters are arrested by the police twice yeah, and put twice. on ice. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't forget the... Yeah. FBI interrogation scene that we didn't need. Wacky FBI guy in episode eight. We're, we're, like we're gonna throw this in. <laughs> yeah, here? let's just yeah. detour oh. everything at episode yeah. eight in ten yeah. episodes. Oh, wow. And nobody's even mentioned what I hated the most was the whole Picard family. That was what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my Fast. god, it was t- just so yeah. tedious, and the whole mother thing was like, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. And they drew that. They really drew out. And the only thing I liked about Picard's family was uh, Baltar has his father speaking yeah. Battlestar oh, yeah. James Callis as his father. James Callis. But he doesn't yeah. recognize him for, you know, two thirds of the episode. I, yeah. I'm willing to go with that as a kind of a vision sort of thing and that he's not really in his right mind and maybe he's being representing his father as mm-hmm. James Callis or something like that. But I thought that was one of the rare parts of that storyline that was not obvious throughout, right? Like yeah. the yeah. fact mm-hmm. that it's his dad is who that that therapist is on the Enterprise and that his dad who we met in TNG and he's a he's right in in a in a mm-hmm. Is it is it his dad or is his, or no. his is brother. it an uncle? His brother. It's his brother. It's his brother. Oh, but they talk He's about the his dad. His brother's yes. angry, and the whole idea is the implication is his dad was like his brother, and that and yeah. that they didn't get along. And we meet his dad, and 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 we know that Picard like resents his dad and loved his mother. And we meet James Callis, and, we, and we're like, and we won't, and we won't mention the brother for some reason. Well, yeah, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but he's yeah. he's he's gone away to school or something. So we meet James Callis, and it's a nice little twist where it's sort of like. No, you've mythologized your mother, but your your mother was actually really troubled and I was protecting you from her. And I, I liked that idea that like after all this time, Jean-Luc Picard has not really embraced and understood the, the actual truth of his mother's situation and his father's situation and instead decided to just sort of blame his father for what happens to his mother. Then again, his father does lock his suicidal mother in a yeah. room. And in the yeah. 21st century where they just have little locks on doors and it's like they're in the 19th century and that w- and we get back to the part of it that was super obvious and telegraphed mm-hmm. and yet is portrayed <laughs> as being a shocking revelation of oh, the most that- obvious thing that could possibly happen. Not just the key, but yeah. somehow they Skeleton had, key. <laughs> not just that, but they had, they had rope. They had yeah. cliche yeah. prop department rope for yes. this yeah. woman yeah. is going to hang herself in the conservatory. Somehow yeah. in the 24th <laughs> century. Right, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we did rope. buy this French mansion from Mr. Body, and that may have been a mistake. Monsieur Body. We got rid of all the lead pipe, but mm. we still had the rope, and mm. you know, mm-hmm. these things happen. No, yeah. every every one of those things of ha ha, we surprised you. No, you didn't. Yeah. No. Nothing in this surprised me. And it's you and know, and the whole, like, even in the first yeah. episode of, oh, here's this strange Borg queen. Well, it's going to be someone we meet. Oh, and it's, if she's using the phrase that Picard's mother used. Well, it's not going to be Picard's mother, so it's going to be someone else. Who else would know it? Oh, it's Agnes. And sure. then 10 episodes later, you're like, dun, oh, dun, it's dun. Agnes. Yeah. Well, I, well, I thought it was deal. okay because I thought, I thought by that point, even the show was like, well, you know, it's Agnes, right? We literally <laughs> showed Agnes going off with the Borg queen. So, you know, it's going to yeah. be Agnes. Oh, yeah. I'm okay yeah. with that. Like I said, I was surprised um also by some of the particular interactions between Agnes and the Borg Queen. I thought they did some the, the weird cyberpunk kind of like I'm in her brain and I'm trying to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of fun. But yeah, was... it's Patrick Stewart is a limited resource. We're only getting three seasons of this show. Yeah. And one he's of the seasons was renewable. Yeah. He's not renewable. <laughs> and one of the seasons was this season. And I look yeah. at it and I'm like, oh what a waste. What a yeah. waste. A lot of the things I like about it, you know, I like that Patrick Stewart is in it, but he's just kind of there and there's, there's, you know, that the action scenes with him in the last few episodes are kind of sad. Uh, you know, there are things right. I like. Tony, you know, didn't I you like, say it's, the, it's an episode where, an, uh, or maybe it was uh, Scott on Malcolm Hello, it's an episode where an Scott, old man, old man walks, walks across the away. room, picks up a gun, yeah. you know. Having an action scene with two old men is uh, not uh, not going to turn out well. <laughs> The whole, the whole thing at the the gala where oh you know Picard is in danger and and coincidentally a billionaire is that is behind the door, the wheel of a car watch out well yeah. well it's like wh- why is he driving anywhere he's supposedly in the middle of the gala like yeah. flirting with no, people and then suddenly he's just driving a car and hits Picard but you know how did he know they were going to be there what, I mean no it, also, little things that's like also that. a funny thing where where um where they get rid of Renee Picard as soon as they don't need her anymore. Yes. And they're like, oh, she yeah. left. <laughs> she left. Yeah. She returned yeah. to her home she planet. Left, she left the scene of an accident. Uh, don't, don't write her up. She's an and, astronaut. She and now she's not relevant anymore. So we, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's disappointing. I think there's a lot more raw material here that could have been yeah. something better. I think they misused John Delancey, honestly. I think they misused Patrick Stewart. I will say, but here's my positive thing to say, which is, I think Jerry Ryan is great. I wish yeah, she Seven had, and Raffi, we didn't mention them enough. Michelle Hurd is, well, is good. Jerry Ryan is great and I I, for, I kept forgetting that Jer- Jerry Ryan was a legacy Star Trek character because mm-hmm. you know she wasn't on TNG she was on Voyager but like sh- she's good mm-hmm. and yeah. I wish they had given her better stuff this season but I kept being reminded like she's legitimately good that was a good I think a good find and a good choice to bring her into this and I hope that uh, they find something else to do with her because I actually think that this this uh, kind of post Voyager 7 is an interesting character my my two positive things for season two Seven and Raffi are terrific together I want that spinoff. I want a series with them. As long I'm as they're not, not stealing police cars. No. Yes. No, I never go back to the 21st century. Would you, could we interest you in a fire truck that they steal? Yeah. <laughs> is it in space? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a space fire yes. Truck. yes. Space fire truck is pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I would love more with them. I just want better writing for them. I'm glad that they're both coming back to season three. Uh, I hope they're not misused in season three or shunted aside. 
Because, like, I yeah. mean, basically... So coming back in season three to be in one scene in season, episode one and yeah. then go, goodbye. <laughs> why, why? Here we are to hand something off to, John, John, you know, Franks or someone. <laughs> yeah, in, that's right. In, in a way, here this season was like the rise Jordy. of Skywalker of Star Trek. Because it's yeah. like, here, let's take all these characters that you fell in love with in season one, and we're just going to take them off the board by the end. Nope, nope. They're never coming back. Oh, Sorry. Oh, goodbye. I didn't even mention uh, Chris Rios, Santiago Cabrera, uh-huh. who is, was such a find in season one is great here um and is inexplicably given his romance plot mm. with the with the doctor and her son um inexplicably until you realize that they've decided to write him off the show <laughs> Yeah. Which is weird because yeah. remember when I said earlier with Discovery, like, why did you get rid of Tilly? It's like, Rios is great. Why did you kill off Rios? I mean, he killed killed by living his whole life, but, but like, he <laughs> killed but by like, time. He, he was yeah. like, you, you put Han Solo in charge of a starship. It's kind of cool. You maybe he's super charismatic. I understand he had another series commitment, and I he's think he couldn't too shoot. Charismatic, season. he must die. <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> shoot season three, so they so yeah. they wrote him out. But it's like, why did you take that character off the board? He's yeah. so good, but they just took him off the board and had him do dumb stuff so that he could dumb stay stuff. in the past. The, the really? junk food of the 21st century is just so compelling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure, I could rescue these people from their troubled time and bring them with me, but no, I will stay here and eat the junk food of our time. <laughs> yeah. the, these lethal cigars are great. Yeah. yeah. I think that, um, you know, that romance angle was so horrible in in a, in a, a season of things that really didn't add up. That one really also was painful to watch. And Star Trek isn't known for doing romance well. Uh no, but this was really bad. Well, um, at the, t- at the time, in, in early the 2022, time. we did not <laughs> yet have the technology for quality Star Trek romance. But scientists are hard at work. Gene, scientists are working it around the clock, and they promise in months yes. they will be able to deliver everything you need. David, you had another now, positive thing. The other positive thing, which also comes with with criticism, um, the end with John Delancey. Um, the the moment where he he looks Picard in the face and says, "You are special to me. I you know this is why I've messed with you all your life. But you know you are special to me." And they hug, and and Picard chooses to hug him. And you know it's a beautiful moment. That moment worked for me. Did this season earn that moment? God no. Oh, it was terrible. But that moment worked for me. Yeah, I loved I, seeing those characters that, do that's that. That's another example of a mis, a misdirector that I appreciated because I kept thinking throughout the season that 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 it was going to be revealed that the reason this was all happening is actually because Q is trying to redeem Picard because Picard has more to do in his life and yeah. it's important yeah. that he gets there. And so you get to this moment and he's like, no, you have no more destiny to fulfill. I just like you. I was surprised <laughs> by that. I actually thought that was like, oh, oh. This is not part of plot machinations. It's just these two characters. Okay, like that was that was fun. And I mean, did did the plot that you know did the reason that Q set this into motion make sense? No. No. Did anything <laughs> that happened with Q make sense? No. No. I'll also point out um, in in as we as we wrap this one up, uh, I'll just throw out there. Um, I don't understand why Wesley Crusher is the manager oh, of. He's of, the, he's a uh, doctor. Orla Brady's he's, he's a time lord. Character. He's 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 HR for the, the travelers. You know, <laughs> he's in charge of recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> 
But that was again un. You, you what? You, when you when you're saying is this a ridiculous Star Trek Picard? Is it just a ridiculous nostalgia trip? And you could argue, especially in season one, no, no, they're doing some new things. That that scene with Wesley Crusher is like. Oh, that's oh, totally, why, totally why? nostalgia trip. I, yeah. I, my fear is that that is what all of season three will yeah. be. Uh, yep, that that's, all, that's exactly what I'm worried about. And I will just, I'll, I mean, I'm going to watch all of it. I want to see all those people, but I'll just yeah. be, I'll be oh, sad. Yeah. You know, yep. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, this season made me angry. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, Jason, way to bring us together to to talk about two two Star Trek series. They were a little disappointed, and it's but, all the time but, I have for tonight. No, so, no, no, uh, no, 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 Tony. <laughs> oh. Wait, 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 wait. Let's do the plot twist now. <gasps> Guess what? Mm-hmm. We have one more Star Trek series to talk about. It's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, in which everybody's favorite space dad, Christopher Pike. <laughs> you didn't uh, know takes he was your favorite USS space dad, Enterprise. but he is. Yeah, your new, but he is your new he is now your new favorite. He your is new now, and, and they explore strange new worlds and learn things and grow as people in a series of standalone episodes with serialized emotional content <laughs> and ongoing storylines that are happening in the background. While each episode also has uh, things that allow it to stand alone. And Jason, when you say it like that, it's like poetry. Do we do we, <laughs> so? Or, or as Tony would phrase it, in May of 2022, we discovered a new way to tell Star Trek stories. <laughs> It was similar to all of our way. technology the, from the sixties. We found we found some things in the archive and we dusted them off. Uh, but uh, you know, sometimes Jason, sometimes the old ways are best. Some sometimes <laughs> this this is mm. uh, I don't know. Did everybody did everybody love Strange New Worlds? I feel like we went through the desert to get here. How does, how's everybody <laughs> feeling about Strange New Worlds season one? Uh, Strange New Worlds was a delight and something I looked forward to every week. And I think I was uh, never disappointed. And sure, some episodes are better than others. Uh, but it's just, it's kind of an amazing thing that happens to also be a Star Trek thing in terms of the quality of those 10 episodes and how delightful the characters are and how charming uh, and in many cases attractive the actors are. Uh, it, it's just, it is. If, I guess if you're someone who listens to The Incomparable and you haven't checked out Strange New Worlds, that's weird. Uh, it's also an interesting... <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also, we have heard from some people, an entry point for Star Trek, which is weird, but yeah. but totally yes. works. Yeah. Uh, I have heard that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Trek. A Vulcan Hello, we, yeah. I, I made a joke about like, well, if you haven't seen these TOS episodes that are directly referenced in here, you ought to go do it. But I'm sure you have, because otherwise, why are you watching this show and listening to this podcast? And I got multiple people who said, actually, I've never seen TOS, or this is my first Star Trek, or I've only watched modern Star Trek. And so I started like coming up with a list. It's like, well, here are the three TOS episodes you should watch. Maybe this TNG yeah. episode too, and just throw those in there because yeah, people are... I think it's actually in some ways a great way to discover new Star Trek is to start with start with Strange New Worlds because it's not I think it's it's got a lot of stuff in it, right? It's got a lot of canon-y uh, Star Trek lore stuff in it, but I feel like it doesn't require it and that's good. No. No, I think it's um it was 
pretty delightful from beginning to end. And um, my my thing I wrote or or I uh, posted. Frisky Vulcans was not on my bingo card. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I, I was kind of, yeah, my mouth kind of dropped <laughs> because, as I said, you know, Star Trek isn't known for uh, making people that frisky. And, uh, that, and, and certainly it's not canon <laughs> from the original <laughs> series, but I loved how they they worked that in. And it was I did go back. I have been going back and watching TOS episodes um, like A Mock Time and uh, Balance of Terror, and I <laughs> definitely. But the, I liked this so much. As soon as it was over. I had to just binge watch the entire Discovery oh. season two because I was like, now I want to go back and I want more Spock and and and, and Pike. Pike and I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I forgot how many Klingons were in it. That was, yeah. but now <laughs> I can fast every, forward. Every, everybody knows some of them are secret. That's how they get you. That's just, <laughs> that's, that is the trick. With them. I, yeah, but you know, I I didn't need to watch the Klingon parts to enjoy the parts with. Um, Pike and uh, you know, of course, Spock. I remember this now from the Vulcan Hello. How you guys had uh, would say like you know the search for Spock. Yeah, when is Spock going to actually show up in Spock, season two of yeah. Discovery? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I was like, ah, oh, when is it going to be? But then watching him, um, yeah. Anyway, I would say that I haven't binge watched an entire season of Star Trek in a while. And I did just watch that season two and it just made it better. And it also gave me a couple of moments where I thought, Oh, he's definitely evolved. Pike has evolved Mm. and Spock, of course, the only thing I can't figure out (laughs) is how did Spock actually, um, and Tipring actually get betrothed and be like, all like, we're going to get married. Like, three months from the end of the uh, Discovery season two. I mean, Spock was, was a, a basket case. I, yeah, I was <laughs> in an trauma. asylum. They're very forgiving. Maybe maybe she helped him out with it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, it could be. No. Yeah. Well, and they, it, I, my, it, my understanding is, is they're, 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 like, they're, they're like promised to each other when they're children. Oh, it's like so an, it's arranged a, an arranged marriage. Oh, okay. yeah. They are. Um, but they, but but they, they seem pretty, uh, in, yeah, well, you they, know. They, Invested <laughs> into each other. I think that's what the kids call it. Invested. He needed he needed somebody yeah. to lean on for emotional mm-hmm. support, yeah. Tony, and he went cho- mm. went to cho- to bring emotional support. By the way, never lean on a Vulcan for emotional support. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. No, you're, they'll just you pinch might your neck. Be surprised. Why are you leaning? <laughs> <laughs> They'll pinch your neck and you'll wake up in your mm. underwear alone in your quarters. Mm. So just mm. don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I just I just love this season and I love that they took the episodic thing, mm-hmm. you know, pretty seriously. Although obviously there were were threads that went through the right. whole season, threads. but they were just threads, you know. And I, it was such a relief, especially you know compared to say watching Discovery any ep- season, where to have some episodes that were pure fun. Uh, in the, you know, popping up after episodes that were really, really stressful and tense. Mm-hmm. So, 
Some yeah. of it may be like the nature of the world that we are living in right now, which affects <laughs> all of our viewing experiences. But there is something extremely comforting about, you know, watching an episode of television every week where you're 34 minutes in and it's like things are really, really, really bad. But they're going to be fine in about 11 episodes. So keep watching or 11 minutes. So keep watching, you know, like the, the fact <laughs> yeah. the episodic, episodic nature where it's like it's going to be wrapped up and it's going to be more or less OK. Uh, you know, th- the show did continue to surprise me with uh, characters popping up who I did not expect or people uh, you know perhaps dying or leaving in unexpected ways so it, it was not uh, it, it you know it felt like it learned from the 90s in all the best ways which which is impressive yeah and <laughs> I have to say that I was probably the most skeptical about this series out of the, the five of us on this panel I think it's safe to say uh, just because I've been very less than lukewarm on the uh, tendency to go back and try to you know let's recreate the magic of uh, TOS, uh, however we possibly can, like, oh, look, here are these characters that you love. Uh, we're going to name one of them after Khan just for fun. And <laughs> it largely ended up working. And I like this more than I like uh, really the Discovery seasons or the Picard seasons. Uh, yeah. And those were more experimental, which is what I had wanted. Um, but I think structurally, the lesson is really th- the episodic nature, like, everyone was saying uh it it really allows you to not get bogged down in the ways that the discovery and picard seasons have been um and i was even a little like reserved in my praise of the season initially uh where they were just finding their footing or whatever and i it had been like oh well you know i really liked picard the first three episodes when it was airing against discovery (laughs) and then i got really burned so i better like hold out and you know i still i liked it at episode four memento mori i liked it amazingly for spock amok at episode five like i thought that was fantastic that they could get to that point um by with so few episodes really before you could do like the classic uh stereotype of a body swap in sci-fi story um so that you can play with these tropes that have already been done in star trek many times but combine them in new and interesting ways and with character development and not drag anything out over the season to not make the whole season about fighting the gorn to not make the whole season about um you know pike's quest to undo his future death or something like he it's all sprinkled in there with Lon's, you know, trauma and with Pike's uh, fear of of his future demise. Well, he thinks demise. Um, And you can visit those moments, but it doesn't become the story of the entire season. And I I really appreciate that. I think they struck an amazing balance between the episode of the week science fiction uh, premises that they have, and some some are better than others, or at least better executed uh, than others, uh, but also having those character moments, which is what I love about Discovery, that I guess it was like, oh, you can do both. Why did Discovery forget to do both? Uh, and, just, and, and not just our, you know, our top three, you know, Pike, uh, number one, and Spock, but all these, these uh, the, the next levels of characters, and then those characters bouncing off of each other in delightful ways, and, and seeing that, you know, Uhura's friendship with uh, Chapel is different than her friendship with Ortega, and, or, you know, the way Laan works with uh, one is different than how she is with Pike, and, and all of those interconnections that just, for 10 episodes of Star Trek, these characters feel way more fleshed out than any of our, you know, our 90s uh, era Star Trek characters got to be in like entire 22 episode seasons. Oh, yeah. And w- what is amazing to me is that in just 10 episodes, 
we know Ortega's. We know how Ortega's is going to yeah. react to something. We know how Chapel is going to react or Mbenga or any of them. And I still don't know the names of all the Discovery Bridge crew. Right. I mean, you it's, know, it's, it's I a mean, little bit of an unfair comparison because they weren't in the main cast. Like they, they weren't in the whole yeah. thing. It's the, it's the yeah. weird thing where Discovery chose a main cast that didn't include the bridge crew. And so yeah. the bridge crew is like this weird in, in between point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've tried to make them characters now. But I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think the um, episode 10, there's that moment where La'an beams over from the Farragut and she's got her hair down and she hugs Pike. And like, we know enough about Lon that for her to do that, you're like, whoa, what happened to you? Like, we know her so well that seeing her different hits us. And like, that's, that's kind of hard to do in, in this few number of episodes to, to make us realize like, oh, there's something strange going on here or, or the, you know, a uh, hammer dying in mm. episode nine, which was always the plan. Uh, they cast that character in order to kill him because you can't kill all the canonical characters. So you got to kill someone, I guess. <laughs> but like his, he's not only integrated in Uhura's arc, but his, his death is affecting. And like, we don't, he's only really in my theory being that they added him in to the first couple of episodes because they added him in and retroactively placed him in some earlier episodes when they figured out they were going to do this with him. But like, so he's really only in like substantively three or four episodes and yet his death hits hard. And also you, you kind of feel really sad because you love that character when it gets to that point, like very accomplished work to tell stories every week and get these characters to feel like characters who matter. And I will admit there are some plots where I felt like I could have used a little more plot, but I understood why they didn't give me more plot because they did want to use the plot to really, again, the classic, they want to use the plot to get you to understand the characters because it is about the characters. And I agree it's about the characters. There were moments where I wanted a little more of the plot where they take some leaps and I'm like, ah, I wish you had not taken that leap and (laughs) and actually done the work there. Um, But still, uh, all in all, um, what a what a trick to get these characters to be so well defined, and also like to think about Laan and not think, oh well, she's a Noonien Singh, and that's like she's just defined as a canon reference. It's like, well, no, now she's not. And Ortegas, mm-hmm. Ortegas is. Uh, I, I read an article where uh, the actress who plays Ortega says that she's heard from a bunch of people in the military who are like pilots, and like you nailed it. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's the yeah. attitude. It's like that's a character yeah. that's fun to have on Star Trek. She's a little wharf like yeah. in the sense that you got to have somebody who's like. I say we fight, right? And that was always Worf. They said, no Worf, not now. It was never time for Worf to fight. But uh, you got to have somebody like that because you want these characters to kind of like push against each other. And and to do that all in these 10 episodes, so impressive. Well, and like the greatest trick that season two of Discovery did, they made Captain Pike an interesting character. Right. He's never Mm -hmm. been interesting. He's introduced as being glum and surly and he thinks he wants to quit. In, in the cage pilot. Yeah. And, and Jeffrey Hunter is an attractive block of wood. And, <laughs> and Anson Mount is just personable and engaging. And he is. He is your favorite space dad. He's awesome. And by the end of that season, I was like, I want the spinoff. Fun, funny, and, and, funny about Anson you know, Mount. Um, well, they built, they built the sets. Uh, funny they built about, the sets. <laughs> about Anson Mount is 
Anson Mount has been, I think, for most of his career, cast as a handsome block yeah, of wood. I, I watched all of Hell on Wheels, which is Anson Mount and Cole Meany. And Anson Mount is angry cowboy guy, and he's got a big beard, and yeah. he's got super long hair, and he always looks like he's a week overdue for a shower. He's still a very attractive man, but he is a different kind of... He's burly, hairy, attractive man. Uh, not... I, I, I don't know what kind of attractive man he is in this, but different. Space dad. Uh, but he is, he is not funny like funny space dad uh he is he, he, i'm just saying no. his his handsomeness and his charisma has multitudes to it and it's 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 kind of frustrating that he exists as a human so you know yeah we'll, <laughs> we will punish you by casting you as a character who can't talk talk in a, in a failed marvel show that'll teach yeah, you Vincent Matt. that's insane <laughs> right just yeah we, we don't want to use your charisma you just you'll just be silent uh yeah the the um and, and talking about Gene watching season two of Discovery, I do think that's the secret sauce in Strange New Worlds is usually you do a first season and everybody's figuring everybody else out. And while there right. are new characters in this show, uh, Pike, Spock, and number one were already cast. They had a bunch of scenes together in Discovery. They did some short treks together. They had time. Mm-hmm. And the writers coming into the season knew what they had with Ethan Peck, with Anson Mount, and with Rebecca Romaine. They knew what they had. And I think it I think that was part of it too, because I don't think you get the pike in this season if they hadn't seen what Anson Mount had done with the material in Discovery season two and said, Oh, because I I suspect he was he was cast for Discovery as a handsome block of wood, right? Yeah. I, I just remember it's like Dyshing Captain. And then they saw his range and they're like Oh, this guy. Yeah. I'm going to have him holding, cooking for his crew and holding tongs yes. and telling people he's going to turn the, turn the, ha- the handing the, the apron around. off to Spock. Yeah. <laughs> like that guy can do that. Let's have him do that. And the smartest thing they've done is because this is why I hate prequels. I, there, there are almost no prequels that I like. The smartest thing they've done is Pike knows what's going to happen to him yeah. just like we do. And that's what makes his, his, arc interesting yeah, narratively brilliant to yeah. have the character who we all know is doomed know it himself because it totally yeah. changes and, and makes yeah it, it works really well i was gonna say about uh the characters like the the thing about discovery it definitely in season one we didn't know uh anything about the bridge crew but in season two it was almost as if pike came in the way pike is and he got to know them all he wanted to know them all he mm-hmm. wanted to be the anti-lorca and because so, uh, i forgot you know until re-watching it that oh this is when we start to see like detmer and owo being like you know this t- dynamic duo and, and we see uh, the, the other members of the crew and, and then you see Tilly like uh, just becoming uh, so Tilly. I mean, she, that's when, you know, she, she says, uh, you know, effing on the, <laughs> the bridge and stuff like that. So anyway, I just think it was almost like he, he worked his magic on, uh, discovery for one season to make it like more of a, a place where the captain was like your favorite space dad. Yep. It, it's, I, I mean, I don't know. There, look, was it a perfect season? No, there are some episodes that work less well and, and ones that work better, but even, you know, even the ones that don't work that well usually have redeeming things about them. And I would say most of them work very well. Like even the worst episode of the season, 
which for me is probably the one that's the Ursula Le Guin knockoff. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Hate it. It still had a lot that worked. Yeah, it still had a bunch of things in it that were good, but I would say that I wouldn't call it bad. I think that it was kind of not great, but most of them were good and then a bunch of them were great. <laughs> and like, that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good batting average. And they did a, yeah. like, like Spock Amok is a, a wacky episode and they managed to, they managed to pull it off and they did it in episode five where that's normally a thing you might reserve for season three to do the, <laughs> do that. But they, they used the body swap between Spock and T'Pring to sort of delineate their characters rather than mm-hmm. have the mm-hmm. joke be um, yes. now that you know who they are when you see them swapped it's funny it was more like they're walking a mile in each other's shoes and you both see one of the talk about pike knowing his fate us knowing their fate as a, a couple is interesting because yeah. you can view it as a doomed romance but what the show has done is make you realize one you know that there was more substance to this relationship and that two Mm -hmm. you empathize with Dupring and see why she would say in a mock time I didn't want to be he's a bit of a legend and I realized I I didn't want to be the consort of a legend right like you get (laughs) you start to get like she's her own person here and I think she's Mm -hmm. you know gonna be overwhelmed by the by the Spockness and so we get all of that it's very just very cleverly done uh, uh, for something that I you know body swap episode i'm always gonna roll my eyes at it they're so cliched and they they killed it they nailed Mm -hmm. it the rehabbing of uh some female characters that were very underserved in tos well chapel yeah chapel who in like four seconds i guess both does and probably gets to be more of a character than chapel ever was in the original series. oh yeah is, yeah Ch- uh, chapel like has just... a couple moments in the original series but only like literally a couple moments and yeah. then otherwise her her character is she has a crush on uh on spock that's one and her other big character note is she has whatever hypo uh dr yeah. mccoy needs that's her <laughs> other character beat is it can hand the doctor things she joined Starfleet to find her lost fiance, her lost boyfriend, yeah. who's a robot now. Who, Oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I spoiled a sixty-year-old episode. It's a huge rehab. I mean, okay. Step one: cast Jess Bush. Step two: put her in a cat suit. Uh, there is no step three. There's no step three. No, they made Chapel, no, I, and you get the and you the Chapel Spock relationship because in TOS it's like she has a crush on him. Well, here we see that it's this it's it's so much more than that, right? Because it is this uh-huh. kind of like she's kind of coming out of bad relationships. She ends up really connecting with Spock and realizing that he's never gonna be into her, and it, it's you know there's so much more color and well, detail and, to it than and and uh, she has casual relationships and she's like nah, i'm not looking for a relationship but then it's like well and maybe and, i and, could and she be kind convinced. of falls for the for the the guy that she can't get yeah which is brilliant i mean even so even ethan peck you know spock is such an indelible character in like the history of television so to take that mm-hmm. role on is is hard and at least you know he had zachary quinto do it before he did so it's like we we're in in a he's like the third regular spock so it's like the pressure's off a little Mm -hmm. bit but still there's a lot of pressure there and even as sort of like proto spock pre-tos still it's a real challenge and i think he did he has done a good job of sort of showing that this is a spock who's still trying to find his way but he's going to end up being the spock that we know and then in that brilliant um 
really just uh, our friend Anthony Johnston said, you know, the the show all season long was not afraid to touch the third rail of of TOS essentially, <laughs> and in episode ten they just grabbed it <laughs> and said, "We're and doing." On. <laughs> we're doing TOS now. And so he yeah. has to play TOS Spock in that. And his performance is different. And it, that I think I was impressed with that too, that Ethan Peck has enough of a handle on Spock that he was able to do that. And I just, that was that, that moxie of grabbing the third rail. I just wanted to mention it again because um, we speculated actually at the end of season two of Discovery when we talked about how they built the sets that, uh, that you know, could you do essentially TOS in uh except with a 21st century sensibility and i think strange new worlds show has shown that you can um like without a doubt they've shown it but also quality of mercy that 10th episode by retracing the steps of a classic series episode um it it literally is showing you what tos looks like in the terms of the 21st century and mm-hmm. my my response to that was not, oh, I can't believe the uniforms are different. My res- I can't believe the sets are slightly different, my, right? Which, as I know some fans are out there, that's a response. My response mm-hmm. is, yes. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. It, I like it. <laughs> I like it. It looks like, it, it feels like Star Trek while also feeling modern. And that is like... I think I think that that we saw in Star Trek over the last like 30 years producer after producer who just doesn't want to go there wants to dodge that bullet like you can't go back to the original Star Trek you, you they're afraid it'll 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 be too goofy it'll too, be too campy the uniforms will be too colorful like we're just not going to ever touch it and as Anthony said Strange New Worlds is just like what do you got? Where the, where, Give it to us. Where, yeah. What, where, where, where are the the parts you're afraid of? I'm just going to do that, right? I'm going to grab yeah. the third rail, and we're going to do this. And we're, they we're going to bite the third rail. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it. We're, like, you're like you know, you're afraid of like being close to TOS. What if we do a shot for shot remake of portions of TOS? How about that? It's like and, okay, good. Okay, do it. And that and that episode was brilliant. I loved it. And it was it was enough to make me go, you know, I hope they they eventually get to do the last two years of Kirk's mission, because why the hell not? But you you talk about the third rail, you talk about Moxie, you know, what is the biggest, ballsiest thing this season did? Cybok. <laughs> They're going to redeem Cybok. <laughs> They're going to redeem Star Trek five. That's insane. Honestly. I, wow. Honestly, that moment, that moment, that moment. <laughs> Where it at? at I, I gasped. Where, where, and, and I want to say um, that's a that's a fun episode. That's the pirate episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's Serene there's Squall. a great Serene Squall. There's a great uh, um, great uh, Jesse James Keitel uh, does a great uh, Star Trek guest star villain performance in that, which I you know is a anybody who watched a lot of TNG and Deep Space Nine like they're those guest star villains who are in it for one episode and you're like I, I think mm-hmm. we're gonna see Jesse Jesse James uh, uh, Kaitel again by the way but because because emergency beam out at the end right it's like <laughs> goodbye I'll be in another episode later goodbye uh, but but you get to so it's wacky pirates and like and 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 the the villain is is like uh, I'm I'm really just here to get the codes from Tepring so that I can release my boyfriend who's a prisoner and and I'm thinking well that's interesting and they get to that moment where Spock's like I think I know who it is 
And I think to myself, no, (laughs) surely no. And he's like, I think it might be. And I'm like, no, Spock, no, 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 they wouldn't, right? They wouldn't, they wouldn't. And the answer to the question of anything in Strange New Worlds, when you say they wouldn't, the answer is, yeah, yes, they would. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah, they would. They're like, yeah, you know, when we said that there was a, this, this weird illegitimate son of Sarek, who was a hippie cult leader in Star Trek V, a movie that nobody really likes. uh, He's in our show. Yeah, he's in our yeah, show now. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Yeah, we're gonna do it. And they are gonna and, redeem him. They're totally gonna redeem him. And now the thing that cracks me up is everyone is like, "Oh, well, they've cast Kirk, but Kirk said he only met Pike once." I think the the way they've retconned a little bit, and and you know, like this final episode gives more depth to the menagerie. It gives more depth to Balance of Terror. I think I'd like to think they're gonna make what Kirk said a joke. Oh, I only met him the once. I I don't think so. I think that they've set up that um, Pike now is going to be um, doing everything he can behind behind the scenes to to educate Kirk so that he's ready to take over as the 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 as the captain of the Enterprise when when Pike leaves the ship. I I feel like it's going to be the secret, uh, like yeah, guardian angel, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. the the tweaking of canon again. I, I like their attitude toward it. Right, it's like like. There's that, yeah, in, in Arena, Captain Kirk says, oh, this creature that they called the Gorn, like he's never heard of the Gorn before. <laughs> it's like, all right, you could probably headcanon that away if you want to. But th- th- I like that the producers are like, yeah, that's not really definitive enough for us. So we're going to have, yeah. <laughs> we're going to use the Gorn and we're going to make him like alien and kind of like predator, uh, but also, you we're know. We're going to make like, him interesting. Like whatever, <laughs> we're going to just do that and and I'm fine with it. I Again, I'm a yeah. lifelong Star Trek fan. I'm fine with them finding the little cracks in canon and prying them apart. I'm okay with it. I'd rather they do that than just sort of listlessly, you know, repeat. Some parts the of canon. canon are bad. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Or, you know, yeah. or unnecessary. Shall we, shall we also revisit women not being allowed to be captains? Yeah. Like mm. in Starlight, you know, like, you know. Well, that's the. Let's, no, let's no, just that's, pretend that that didn't happen. Okay, well, I've already had canon that one, yes. which is like literally Janice Lester is an awful person, and they say you can't be captain, and she's like, "You just hate women being captains," and they're like, "Yeah, we told, we told, that's what we told her." Um, but what about all the other women captains? <laughs> just look, look, just don't. We don't talk about it. She, we just that's what we told her <laughs> to get rid of her, and it didn't work. And she's still here, and she's found a body swapping device again <laughs> on a. Yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my headcanon for that is that they just they they were just they were lying to her because she was a pain and they didn't want to hire her. Um, which you know I don't know. Yeah. I, I anything. What have we not said about Strange New World season one? Anything else you got? Um, I I I had some issues with some little plot things, but you know yeah. I loved the whole thing and I just I love Doctor Mbenga. I didn't entirely buy his whole story, but I love him. I, I want more stories about him. Like that, like his fishing hat. That was good. Yeah. Yes, I like his I fishing loved, hat. I loved the I, fishing hat. <laughs> I liked him in, in that episode, um, Elysium Kingdom with, uh, as the king, yeah. you know, yeah. and that he just pulled that off really well. This that, like, I'm, I know, I know what's going on sort of, but I don't, you know, no one else does. And then he's figuring he it out. To, 
and the whole yeah. the whole thing. That's an example of one of those things where the plot resolves itself too fast mm-hmm. because they really just wanted to have fun with it, and then they're like, "Oh, and his daughter leaves, and she's fine." Uh, at the end, I'm yeah. like, "Okay, it's fine. It was a fun ride. I know you want to." And they and they, and they're like, "We told you this would be standalone, so we're resolving <laughs> it all now." I'm like, "Okay, you got me. You got me." And I mean, everybody looks like they had fun in the episode. They had a great way of you know resetting people in different roles. Yeah. And redressing the Enterprise set, which was also well, great, right? Like, yeah. they didn't and, like uh, go to a fantasy world. They were st- literally still on the Enterprise, and Mbenga is able to use the computer well, and stuff. That was a really nice. And that was nice, hilarious. Yeah. That was so good. But I, I just, I keep thinking back to it and thinking it's, it's not even that Anson Mount has has great range and great comedic chops. Can you imagine William Shatner being that unvain <laughs> to pull off that <laughs> role in that story? No. Oh. I, I need to be the king oh. in this one. I need to be the king. Captain Captain Pike is turning into my favorite captain, and that's really surprising. Yeah. He's a pretty good captain. He really is. Yes. Well, and he, he makes a good waffle. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows waffle. how to use his tongs to, to punctuate, uh, don't make me turn this car around. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Got to tongue those tongs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think... So Scott and I had this conversation on the last episode of the Vulcan Hello, which was after being really enthusiastic about the idea of Star Trek getting into the streaming world and trying to tell modern Star Trek stories across many seasons. Um, and I think that that still could be done, but it it is it has been really spotty in how it's been executed. And then yeah. you look at Strange New World season one and you think. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> like, I mean, right? Like, like I'm, I'm starting to think maybe they they took the formula way too far with Discovery, and that Strange New Worlds has basically said, "What if we ease off a little bit?" And it's recognizably Star Trek and recognizably modern all in one. And I don't want to be the person who says, "Yeah, this show that's just kind of doing a version of TOS and it's all standalones." Um do star trek like that and i I want star trek to try different things and it, we're in this era where there's multiple star trek shows so i want them to to experiment and try different yeah. things but i yeah. i keep coming back to thinking i i hope that the other star treks that they choose to do learn from st- season one of strange new worlds because i think mm-hmm. they got the formula if not if maybe there's not a, a right answer but it's it's a it's closer to ideal and that maybe those other shows need to recalibrate a little bit to be more like this. And I, I hate to be the person to say that because I was really enthusiastic about the idea of like, well, what Star Trek looked like as a modern streaming series, but having seen at least how it was executed, um, this is better. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and they say, you know, oh, they're standalone episodes. Oh, they're just character arcs. It's not just character arcs. It's not just. No. And they're ongoing storylines that come back. Ongoing storylines. Yeah. And it, watch word that's was just that's that if, well Captain, if Captain Kirk falls in love with somebody like Edith Keeler in one episode, in the next episode, he's going to be feeling the emotional ramifications right. of it, which didn't if, happen in TOS. And if we run into the Gorn. We may learn things about them that are going to come back and be useful sure. three or four if we episodes run into later. Illyrians, maybe that'll yeah. be relevant in a future episode, right? Because they 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 plotted yeah. all this stuff out. Joe, what do you think about this? Like serialized storytelling versus standalone. You know, are you do you you get where I'm coming from? Which is like I'm hesitant to say, uh, you know, start playing it safe. But at the same time, I look at Strange New Worlds and I think, oh, maybe safer is better. Well. I don't think it's playing it safe per se. I think it's playing to the strengths of television, um, especially weekly released mm. television. 
uh, I think something that has hurt uh, Star Wars <laughs> in some cases, as well as Star Trek, is if you try to take a single story and stretch it out over like X number of episodes, um, you're going to end up doing a disservice to some of those episodes in how they get to handle bits and pieces of that storyline. Whereas right. these, you never have to s- sort of like suffer through something to get to the other part. Um, it, it can feel much more like it used to, um, which is appealing in that way, but it is not necessarily, as we've discussed, it's not as definitively old school uh, as it used to be. Right. So I don't think it's safe. I, it, it's just a different kind of structure so there's a different level of difficulty like they could still screw this up this is easy to screw up <laughs> sure <laughs> sure they just ha- they just haven't haven't done it i i don't know i thought that that episode of picard um where the mandalorian just came in for a while that was great <laughs> <laughs> just dropped him in there like the, the story was sagging so they just had the mandalorian come by and do an episode oh maybe i'm mixing things up again um any other final thoughts about about these the these many Star Treks? We get a little bit of a break. There'll be some animated stuff, but um, the live action stuff seems like is going to be in a in in a break until probably toward the end of the year. They'll probably make some announcements at Comic Con. Um, but after a rough few seasons, there, <laughs> the first two thirds of this episode, uh, I'm feeling way better about Star Trek now. <laughs> Thanks, Captain yeah. Pike. I mean, I, I I could just say the same things I've been saying throughout. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that I love Captain good, Pike. Captain Pike, you know? Anson Mount. Yeah, and, it's good. And, and, but, it, but it, just the whole show. He made and a cameo appearance board. in a recent Marvel movie that I will not spoil yeah. other than to say that <laughs> I saw him and I thought, oh, Anson Mount. And I, like, I, I was not excited for the character he was playing and I knew he wouldn't be there very long. <laughs> and yet I was like, just so happy to see Anson Mount. Did, did he get to say anything? I'm a fan. Hey, he says something, sort of. Okay. Um, okay. Sort of. <laughs> Sort of. Yep. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up this episode of of uh, of Star Trek. No, it's a standalone episode <laughs> of the incomparable. So when we come back next time, uh, we'll just uh, our, the emotional arc will continue as it always does, but the the plot will be different. Let me thank my uh, guests for being here on this episode, David J. Lore. Thank you. Thank you. I I look forward to coming back to the Vulcan. Hello for my Faltor pan. Yeah, we're gonna re put your Katra back in your body. Yeah. Tony Sindelar, thank you. Uh, I vote against war. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this is not the shopping mall voting mm-hmm. sequence. Mm. <laughs> Gene McDonald, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great. And Joe Rosensteel, thank you. Thank you. I'll just be here, the guardian at the gate, the Borg that traveled through time for no reason and protecting this anomaly that no one's going to investigate or care about. The end. All right. <laughs> the oh, end. you're in the Federation now, though. Congratulations. <laughs> and i've been your host jason snell thank you for listening to this episode of the incomparable we will see you next week